Good morning again. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open it up to Romans 12. Uh, We'll be in Romans 12 this morning, which is on page 947 in the Black Bibles. If you see one nearby, you can grab that and open up to page 947, Romans chapter 12. Uh, So today we're kind of looking at where we're going for the new year. Uh, Next week we'll come back to the Galatians series and finish that up. I think that's about six or eight more weeks uh, before we go into a a short new uh, Old Testament series after that. Um, New Year is a good time to think about where we want to go, right? Uh, As individuals, a lot of people make New Year's resolutions, but also as a church, kind of what is our direction? And so that's where we're headed, what we're thinking about today, Um, kind of a roadmap for, for what's ahead. We're calling it a map of Grace Bible Church. And also, Part of that is just basic Christianity. Uh, Christianity is often misunderstood as um, people that think they're better than other people, right? That's kind of like what the world thinks Christians think they are. Um, but true Christians know that Christianity is, is knowing that you have a problem, knowing that we're messed up and we need God's grace. That's really what real Christianity is. And so as we look forward to a new year, as we look ahead in 2015, uh, we have this humble posture of, okay, God, we... We know we have somewhere to go. We know that we need you to move us forward. And so that's really our, kind of our prayer posture as we look at Romans 12, uh, what's ahead? God, what would you have for us? Um, a lot of times churches base their vision and direction from Matthew chapter 28, which, which is important to us as well. Our vision is to multiply followers of Christ based out of Matthew 28, sometimes called the Great Commission, where Jesus says, go and make disciples of the whole world, like go into all the nations making disciples. Do that while going, while baptizing, while teaching people to obey everything I've commanded you. And so that is, that's our commander's intent. That is the big idea. That's where we're going. But sometimes it's also helpful to have kind of step-by-step. And so that's why we're going to Romans 12. We're getting a little more step-by-step directions here. Uh, I'm praying that it won't be too many steps for you because sometimes that's annoying when you get directions and they give you too many steps too, right? So we'll try to try to strike a good balance here from Romans 12 um, this is also where we started off as a church, the first, uh, first passage of scripture we ever looked at together as a church in our first public worship service. So it's kind of fun coming back to it eight and a half years later as well. Uh, so read it with me, Romans 12, we'll read verses 1 through 6. It says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. We'll stop there and uh, pray and ask God to teach us this morning. God, we ask for your help. We pray that you would guide us. I pray for open minds. Lord, uh, just help us to to have a humble posture of wanting to learn, wanting to change. Help us uh, to understand the direction you want to take us uh, in 2015, but also in general as we move forward in life. We pray that you would lead us, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I said, this uh, passage is where we started off our first public worship service. It was August 20th, 2006, so a long time ago. I know some of y'all weren't even born then, so 
eight and a half years ago. Uh, it's weird, you know, like I still think of us as a baby church, but we're kind of like becoming a grown-up church now. Um, it's been a few years. And th- so that first service, the, the title of the sermon, based out of the same text, uh, was what are we doing here? That, that was kind of the idea. First service, what are we doing here? Trying to take our direction from the scripture, from Romans 12. And as I was preparing for that message, other things that were going on that week, like trying to you know, give people directions to find the church. Uh, we met in an elementary school called Timber Ridge Elementary School. Uh, some of you live in that neighborhood, know the, know the area. And so we were renting that school, and it was kind of a new neighborhood at the time. And so it was kind of ironic. We're starting this new church, trying to help people figure out where it is. And I pull out my paper map, right, because I don't have a smartphone in 2006. I pull out my paper map, and this neighborhood doesn't exist on the map. Neighborhood doesn't even exist on the map, right? Like, so if you were to look it up on a computer, it would be this sort of thing. Um, there's just an empty field, right? That's, that's what the map thought of this neighborhood where we were, we were meeting. So you, you couldn't even give directions according to this map. So I, I did go to the computer then, and when I went to the computer, I did find um, more details. I think the computer at that time had the neighborhood and had the streets. It just didn't have the school yet, right? So it could get you almost there, but it couldn't get you all the way. And I use this, the irony of, of this, how it was kind of hard to find the first worship service. I think everybody found it okay. We put signs out in the street and all that. So it all worked out. So don't worry. The church happened. So that's the end of the story. Um, but sometimes we don't know where we're going, right? Sometimes you get directions and they're bad directions, right? Uh, you know, it's classically a difference between men and women. Men don't like to ask for directions. And and I would say the reason we don't like to ask for directions is because people give us bad directions, right? It's not all pride. It's like that person at the gas station doesn't know how to get where we're going, so I don't want to ask them, you know? Um, so sometimes you get bad directions. Sometimes you get good directions, but maybe they're not complete. Um, in the Scripture, we have, a lot, we have a lot of directions. And part of how God's led this church is, is biblically, but also leaders, elders, pastors, deacons that, that are praying for you and praying for this church. And so kind of what we have here is we're trying to follow the core values we've always had as a church, taken from Scripture, but kind of rethinking, God, God what's next for us? Like, where, where do you want us to go in this year? Um, and so we're going to start with a core value we've always had. We, we're just kind of following grace, Bible, and church because this is easy to remember, because that's the name of our church, right? If you forget our core values, you can just look out at the sign outside. Um, And so the first core value is, this is kind of a different way of saying it, is grace as power. Grace as power. God's grace is the power, is the engine that drives what we're doing here. And so that's a very important thing for us to remember, because Christians often fall into thinking our flesh is the power, right? Or my own personal discipline is the power, or my kind of all American goodness is the power, but it's actually God's grace. God's grace is what fuels us, drives us, moves us, enables us to do what God calls us to do. And that's very important to remember. In the text that we're looking at in Romans 12, he starts out very strongly with that in verse 1. Look at verse 1 again. In chapter 12, verse 1, he says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. So he appeals by the mercies of God. In other translations, it says, in view of God's mercy. It's a really simple construction there in, in the Greek. It just is by the power of that, right? It's by means of that thing, by his mercy, by his grace, by what he's done. I appeal to you or exhort you. And then it says to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy 
and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual worship. And so our worship, our presenting our lives to Him, giving ourselves to God, is done based on His grace, based on His mercy, based on what He's done for us, not our own strength, not our own power, not our own goodness. Um, Kind of the two ways we try to save ourselves in this world is through rebellion against God's commands or self-righteous keeping of God's commands, right? So those are the two ways of self-salvation. I'm going to be really, really good, or I'm going to be really, really bad, right? Those are the two ways we try to save ourselves, and the Bible says neither one of those work. So surprise for the religious people, you can't save yourself by being good. Only God can save you. That's the message of the cross. We were so unsavable in our sin, it required the cross. It required Jesus to take our place so that our sins are placed on him and his righteousness is given to us if we trust his grace by faith. So that's the Christian story, and we need to make sure we don't forget that. As people that begin to follow him and begin to do what's right, we can slip into thinking that it's, it's my power and it's my strength and it's how good I'm doing in my track record of achievement, but it's his grace. His grace is the power. Paul talks about that in the beginning of uh, the book of Romans as well. He says the gospel is the power of salvation for every man, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile, for every kind of man, every tribe, every tongue. It's the power, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, what God has done for us, his, his grace, his unmerited favor. That's the power that saves us and that changes us and transforms us and makes us into what God wants us to be. I think a really helpful way of remembering this is uh, something sometimes called the navigator wheel. There's a ministry called the Navigators, and, and some of our folks like the Shepherds and the Dietrichs, and I know other people are involved in this ministry and uh, had a big impact on me. Uh, this is basically a, a parachurch ministry that focuses on helping people grow as disciples, as followers of Jesus. And they use this illustration called the Navigator Wheel. And the kind of the tire or the, the rim, the outside of the wheel is the obedient disciple in action, right? So that's the goal, that we would be obedient, that we would do what God says. And then the spokes are... The activities, the, the things we're supposed to do, right? That's, that gives structure to the wheel. We're supposed to be involved with the Word. We're going to be learning the Bible, right? That's part of what we're doing here right now. Uh, we're going to be witnessing about who Jesus is. We're going to be serving others. You see witness and service on the left-hand side. Fellowship on the right-hand side. We tend to talk about that uh, word in terms of community and family, partnering with each other in ministry. The top part is prayer and worship, devoting ourselves to God, serving him only. And so we have these spokes, but, but none of those can do anything apart from the hub, right? Everybody know how a wheel works? A wheel is driven by the hub, by the axle, by the thing that turns it in the middle, right? And that's Jesus Christ. He's, he's the power. I had a friend that was a part of the Navigator's ministry for many years, and he was training people, right? Training people to follow Jesus. And for many years, he spent all his time trying to teach people the outer details, right? He spent all of his time trying to teach people skills, how to read your Bible, how to share your faith, how to join in fellowship with other people, um, how to serve, how to pray. You know, he was trying to teach people the how-tos of the Christian faith. And he said his ministry was completely revolutionized when he just started focusing on the middle, when he just started focusing on helping people to understand all the riches of what they had in Jesus Christ, their identity in him. He said when he began focusing on that, then the skills and the things you do kind of took care of themselves. He still taught people those things, but it became much, much easier. I think that's important for us to remember. In in the book of Romans, where we are, right, he's saying 
in view of God's mercy, and this is in chapter 12, after 11 chapters of describing the riches of the gospel. After 11 chapters of Paul saying what the cross has accomplished for you, then he says, now in view of that, offer yourselves to God. That's, that's really important for us to take hold of. Because of God's grace, in response to God's grace, we serve him. So 2015, you're making New Year's resolutions, and many of us drift into, I'm going to be better, I'm going to be stronger, I'm going to be faster, I'm going to be more obedient, right? Those are all good things, but please do that in response to God's grace and his kindness to you. Please be better because God loves you. Don't be better to trick him into loving you. He loves you. That's the message of the cross. He loves you. For God so loved the world, he, he gave you his son. He, he gave you his son to, to take your sin, to give you his righteousness. So in response to that, offer your body as a living sacrifice. In response to that, follow him. Obey him in 2015. So what does that look like here at our church? How, how do we live that out? Grace is power. If we believe that grace is power, that means that's going to be predominantly the message that we teach, right? Um, so you might have noticed this, that no matter what chapter of the Bible I'm, I'm teaching from, we're going to come back to that idea. Because the scripture is very clear that Jesus is the center of this book. So that idea is always there. He's always the power behind everything. So if, if there's a promise of how much he loves us, well, yeah, it's real obvious. If there's a command of something we should do, then, you know, usually just a chapter away, it's because of the promise of what he's done for you. Those things always go together in the scripture. Jesus was very clear on the road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24. He said that he is what the whole Old Testament is all about. He's the one that makes sense of all of this. So that's going to predominate our teaching. It's also going to um, dominate uh, the leadership of our church. So the leaders of the ch- this church in, in the New Testament described as elders and pastors, um, their job is to be able to teach, to be able to clarify this for people, to refute false doctrine, self-salvation, and to feed people healthy doctrine, the kind of doctrine that helps people to grow in the fruit of the Spirit, the kind of thing we're seeing in Galatians. And so to be a leader, you have to be able to do these things, and that's going to, to dominate how we view leadership. Does leadership matter? Yes. Does character matter? Yes. But the thing that distinguishes an, an elder or a pastor from, from a deacon is all Christian leaders need to have godly character, um, but an elder or a pastor of a church has to be able to teach, it says in 1 Timothy chapter 3. And so that's a very important part is, is being focused on grace as power in our teaching. So that's going to come out in our preaching. It's going to come out in our Sunday school You may not know this, but we even geek out on like the children's ministry curriculum. Like, what does that have to look like? Well, it's important that it be God-centered and Jesus-centered and grace-empowered. So so that's going to filter its way through everything that we do here. Um, And so I want to encourage you that that's always going to be important. That's not going to change. It always has been a core value. It always will be a core value. Other ways that this fleshes itself out. If we believe that grace is power, then we're going to pray, right? So when I don't, I'll put it in my own shoes because I... I fail to pray as much as I'd like. When I'm not praying, it's because I'm not trusting God and his power. I'm saying, I've got the power. That's what I'm saying when I don't pray. When I pray, I'm saying, God, help me. It's your grace and it's your power that's going to make this work, right? So we want to be a praying people in 2015. A, a specific application that I'd really like to encourage is uh, every month, Laura Shepherd, one of our elders, leads a half day in prayer over at the Plaza del Sol. It's like 8 to noon. So right across our parking lot in this office suite here, we have classrooms, half day in prayer every week. At the back of the room, we handed out the handout that he uses. 
how to spend a day in prayer, I really encourage you to take one of these and begin trying to devote more time to prayer. If you're like me, your prayer is kind of like punctuated little short times throughout the day. Um, not as much as you'd like it to be. This is a great experience if you've never done this. I know this is very unusual. Most people haven't spent a long time in prayer like this, but this is a great guide to help you. And I'd encourage you, our first half day in prayer for 2015 is, is this Saturday. So in six days, come and join them across the parking lot at the Plaza del Sol. I, I pray that we would pray more in 2015. That, that would be one of my prayers. Another way that grace is power as a core value works itself out is we're going to care for people that can't pay us back, right? We're going to be a kind of people that care for uh, the weak, that care for the needy, that care for the outcast, that care for people that can't necessarily give us something in return. Christians should be marked by that kind of love because God has loved us in that way. God's shown grace to us when we didn't deserve it and when we couldn't give him anything in return. We should show that kind of grace to other people. So here's some corporate ways we do that. As a church, we sponsor Compassion Sunday. Uh, we partner with churches in the third world, like in Guatemala. Uh, we give free space to foster care and adoption agencies. A lot of people don't know this part because it's less public, but adoption agencies and foster care agencies that are looking for space to train people, they, they do that here at our church. I mean, so those are some of the things we do to encourage uh, care for those that can't care for themselves. We also give free space to counseling agencies that... Uh, help people. Um, So these are things that we do, but my prayer is that we would grow and do more of that, right? Because that's a mark of this gospel message. That's a mark of grace as power, that God is a gracious God. As we act more graciously, as we're more generous with grace, that shows that we believe that God is gracious. Another thing that we, we want to always be about is to be a welcoming place so this is kind of another side of it, just the mechanics of, of having a church service is we want to be hospitable and welcoming, right? Um, a lot of you may not know this. Uh, this fall, our numbers are usually higher in the new year than they are in the fall, right? Kind of our typical kind of flow of people is everybody moves away in the summer, right? So our church is kind of cut in half, and then we kind of start to grow again in the fall, and we're the biggest in the spring. Well, this fall, even it's not the biggest time of the year, we've been turning people away from our nursery Every week. Every week. So, I mean, one thing we can do as a leadership is, is build another room or two, right? We can help with that side of it, but also we need more people to volunteer in our nursery. Not every room back there can squeeze in more adults, but, but some of them can. We've got some big rooms. If we had more volunteers in the nursery, we could welcome more people. So that's just like a mechanics issue of displaying grace, being welcoming, inviting people into God's grace. We, if we had more people volunteering, that would, that would help us to do that better. And another issue we've talked about as well is being an ethnically diverse body. We already are an ethnically diverse body, but we want to grow in understanding how to be better at that. So we'd ask you to pray. The church planting network that we're a part of, Acts 29, has asked all the churches in their network to just devote this week to prayer and fasting on issues of racial reconciliation, as that's kind of bubbled up as such a big issue in our culture over the last few months. Um, The culture is confused the church should lead the way on showing what it means to be united in Christ, to not be all about our preferences and our tribe, but to be more about Jesus and in that way to be welcoming and display the power of God's grace. So I'd invite you this week to pray and fast with us as we just ask God, God, help us get better at this. We don't really know what it's supposed to look like, but we know this is a fruit of the gospel. We know that when different people get along, 
and honor Jesus. That, that's a display of God's power at work in our lives. That's a supernatural thing that's not normal in the world. So God, help us to not pursue that out of political correctness, but help us to pursue you. And as we pursue you, that that would be a natural overflow. So I'd ask you to pray with us this week. I'd ask you to consider fasting this week even. Um, fasting, just to define it kind of in a simple way, is going without something so you can devote more energy and focus to prayer. Right? So typically that's food. So like when you go without food, your stomach rumbles and you remember to pray. So, so that's just a way to help you pray. So fasting is always connected with prayer. Or maybe you go without uh, TV. You want to turn on the TV and that reminds you, oh yeah, I'm going to pray about this issue. Or you want to go without Facebook. Or maybe you go without a certain kind of food, right? Like maybe medically you can't fast, you'll just pass out, right? So maybe you go without a certain kind of food or go without coffee. I know a lot of you would pass out without coffee. Or <laughs> you go, out, go without something um, and set aside that time, that focus energy this week to pray. And then Saturday, again, we have, we have the half day in prayer coming up. Uh, and Jim Wilson and Laura Shepard will be leading that. And uh, we're going to try to focus some of that time praying about racial reconciliation issues, but also just teaching you how to spend extended time in prayer. So we want to be a people of prayer this year, but we also want to be a people of, of hospitality and welcoming in a way that displays God's grace. The next thing that I think this text teaches us is, is, our, is our middle name, Bible. Uh, the Bible is authority. Look at verse 2. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So there's an option here of being conformed to the world or being transformed by God's word, by his will. How do we know what his will is? How do we discern what what God wants? Well, he's given us his directions in the word. Um, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, all of God's word is, is breathed out by him. It, it's, it comes straight from him. We, we believe in this old-fashioned idea called inerrancy. If y'all ever heard of that term before? It's very not cool um, to believe that. So sorry if you're going for cool Christianity. We just lost out on that one. But that means we, we believe that his word is true and it's reliable and we can trust it. Um, so that's what that means. And that's something that's very important to us that, that God's word is our authority um, and so that's going to that's gonna affect everything that we do here. We're going to have a, a humble posture before God wanting to listen to him, wanting to receive what he has to say to us so, so that we're not conformed to the world. We're not stamped and shaped by what the world says. The world has its own values, but we're shaped by what God says. And that means we're going to look different in some ways. We're going to stand out. And again, I, I want you to understand that this only makes sense if you believe the point we already covered. If you believe God is gracious then you're going to want to do what he says. If you believe God's an ogre, you're not going to want to do what he says, right? And a lot of you are right on the fence there. You're struggling with that. And and let me help you with this. If you're having a hard time obeying God in a certain area of your life, it's because you don't believe he's good. You don't believe he's kind and gracious. The the more you believe that about him, the the more you'll be willing to kind of step out in faith and, and kind of jump into that unknown of this seems crazy my desires say this but God's word says this and if he's really gracious I can trust that stepping away from my desires and stepping towards God's will is going to be good I can trust him it may not feel good the first day I may still struggle I might struggle the rest of my life in this particular area but I'm going to trust that he's good and he loves me 
and he's caring for me through this. And so that's listening to the authority of the Bible. I have a picture here of what we usually do. Um, This is a picture of our normal posture, right? That's putting our hands over our ears and saying, I don't want to listen to what you have to say. That's our normal posture towards God. That's what Romans 1 says. We look out at creation, we see God's great creation, and we refuse to honor him as God. And the longer we do that, the, the, more, uh, the more we begin to live and believe our own lie. And so my challenge for us in 2015 is to believe that God's grace is real, that he is gracious, and in doing that, then have a humble posture of listening, taking our hands off of our ears and listening to his word. Uh, one of the basics is just reading the Bible. Like I said, we had this uh, Bible reading plan. I encourage you to grab one of these or use one of the many online uh, apps that are out there to help you read God's word. Um, try memorizing scripture. You might have a favorite passage of scripture. I know this happens to a lot of people. They read it um, and you get really frustrated because you don't understand half of it, right? So I'd really encourage you to memorize the parts that you understand, right? Write it down on a card and begin memorizing the parts that you really love, that really help you, that kind of excite your heart about who God is. Memorize those portions. Don't beat your head against the wall with the parts you don't understand. You know, give yourself time with those. You'll grow and you'll understand more and more of it, but, but try memorizing the parts that you already understand. And, and try this, try obeying the parts that you understand too. That's another way uh, to focus your life on God's word. Another part of that is getting with other people. We encourage this a lot. Grab a buddy to read God's word together. Say, hey, let's read this book together and talk about it and pray for each other. Grab a buddy to do that with. Challenge each other in, in your own families or people you work with, but grab someone else and say, hey, let's, let's set some goals and read scripture and encourage each other in that. Um, that's really what our small groups are about as well. Maybe jump in a small group um, where you can do that with other people in a large group setting or just grab one or t- two other people and just have coffee together and pray through the scripture. But I encourage you to do that in the new year. Um, the other thing that is important to us is a Bible should shape how we worship. So if, if you've noticed this, probably you've noticed this, our, our worship services when we gather together corporately like we're doing right now should just be kind of drenched with Bible. Have you all ever noticed that before? There's just kind of like Bible dripping everywhere. Um, that's, that's our goal is that it would be biblically directed, right? So when Chris and when I and other, other leaders craft kind of what we're going to do together as a people, our prayers and our songs and the teaching, the goal is that we would be showing you that the Bible is our authority, that we want to hear from God. We want to hear what he has to say. Um, so this is really interesting because a lot of times people come and bring their favorite song uh, to Chris and they're like, hey, can we do this song? And no offense to those of you if you just did this, but hey, can, I, can we do this song? And, and sometimes the answer is no because the Bible's not clear through that song. Sometimes it's just hard, hard to sing or hard for Chris to play or whatever, right? So sometimes there's other reasons or maybe he just hates it, right? He just hates the song. Um, sorry. <laughs> but uh, but we, we want it predominantly to be biblically driven songs. And so that's, that's part of how he picks the songs, that they would display God's grace as a power in our life, that they would be biblically rich. And one of the interesting things we have at our church is we have this kind of, I think it's kind of a cool mark of diversity. We have a, an alliance between modernists and traditionalists here. And I don't know if you realize that, but as pastor, I kind of get to see that, you know, see the whole picture. And we have people from all kinds of different church backgrounds, especially in a military town, like Everybody here went to a different church in a different town in the last couple of years, right? And so what we have is a lot of times, pretty much every week, we have traditionalists coming to me and saying, we need to be more traditional. And we have modernists coming to me and saying, we need to be more modern, right? And I want to encourage you to make sure that the Bible 
is your authority when it comes to your worship preferences and being able to distinguish between your preferences and the commands of Scripture. Because we have a lot of freedom in, in how we worship. We really do. And our goal is, is the best we can to be basically doing modern worship with respect for tradition and kind of trying to hold those tensions together and speak in a language that people understand, but that it would be directed by the Bible. And so I just encourage you to grow in that area in 2015. Um, just, just know that every preference you have that you think is a biblical command might be a preference, okay? And it's important to grow in understanding the difference between what I like and what makes me happy and what is really biblically commanded. And that's a tension. And I would say pray for us as leaders as we put this stuff together because um, that's our goal, that it would be biblically driven. Um, but th- it's a tension. It's a tension and hard to hold these things together. We want to continue to be uh, committed to this and, and committed to growing um, biblical teaching, biblical singing, biblical sacraments, right? Just the things that the church has always been about. Um, one thing today we're sharing in communion. Uh, we do that monthly at our church. Uh, historically, for the last 2,000 years, most Christians have done that weekly. I mean, we have no immediate plans uh, to do that weekly in every service, but we're talking about kind of out of respect for tradition. Is there a way we could offer weekly communion kind of in, in a, some other time slot where it could be a focus on communion and prayer, and we could, we could do that weekly uh, without necessarily doing that in every single of the three services? Pray for us. Talk to me if you're interested in doing that kind of thing because we're trying to figure out how to make that work. And when you already have three services, it's hard to find another slot to do anything really, right, on a large scale. So pray for us as we work through how we can, how we can balance that tension of, of being modern in the sense of speaking a language that every person understands, but also respecting our elders. What does that look like as we try to honor the authority of the Bible? The next thing that I want us to focus on this year is church as agent. Church as agent, and I know when I use the word agent, probably the first thought a lot of you have is like secret service agent, right? If you're like me, you're thinking, does he mean like an earpiece in a black suit? Um, so these are guys in the Oval Office. That's not exactly what we mean, not like secret agent, uh, but more like uh, means or the ones that are doing the work, right? God's, God's plan for the church is to do his work until his second coming, until Jesus comes back. That's, that's Jesus' plan. Like, what we're living now is not a big accident. Do you know that? It seems like it. If you just watch the news every day, it's going to seem like a big accident. But, but this is actually God's plan. He wants to use us to, to display his love and justice in the world. We're, we're his goal. So this image that we have in Romans 12 is, is being the body of, of Christ, right, and being different members, different parts, yet we're part of one body. So Jesus is the head, command and control, and we're the body. We are his hands and feet. In the world. So we'll look at Romans 12 again. Look at verses 3 through 6. He says it this way For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. We'll come back to that in a second. Verse 4 For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have all the same function, so we Though many are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Okay, so God's given you different gifts. Use them. Because you believe in God's grace, right? So back to point one, you believe God has graciously given you gifts to use. You believe that you're his body in the world. 
So back to verse 3, he said, let us not think, how does he say that, more highly than we ought to think of ourselves. So I hit on this a few weeks ago. If you believe that you're so bad and your past is so dark and so shameful that God can't use you, you're thinking of yourself more highly than you ought. I said this this way before, that's a form of pride. When you're saying, I'm so broken, God can't use me, basically what you're saying is, I'm so awesome in my sinfulness that God can't handle me. And what I want you to understand is, God's big enough to handle you. The cross was enough. Jesus' resurrection was enough to take care of your shameful past and your failures. And his plan is to use you. I hope you let that sink in in 2015. His plan is to use you. And the means by which he accomplishes that is he's forgiven your sin. And all of your sins were placed on the cross on Jesus. And all of Jesus' righteousness is given to you by faith. So he delights in you as his very own son. That, that's his plan. So don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Don't think I'm too broken, I'm too ornery, I'm too whatever. God wants to use you. And he's graced us all with different gifts. He's wired us in different ways. You don't have to look like this person or look like that person. Anybody here ever taken anatomy and physiology? A lot of different body parts to memorize, right? And that's the image that God uses for his church. He doesn't say, we're all kneecaps, so go be kneecaps for the glory of God, right? We're we're all different. We all have different gifts. So allow God's grace to change your heart so that you understand that he wants to use you and the unique gifts that he's given you that you're his agent in the world to display his love and justice. We're a volunteer organization, right? So the church is not the leaders. The church is not the pastors. The church is not the deacons. The church is not the elders. The church is the church. Literally, that word means the called out ones. It's used a lot of times in first century Roman Greek context to talk about like an assembly or a, a town meeting, which means all the citizens, right? All the members of God's household, If you're you're an adopted child of God by faith in Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're the church and you're his agent in the world and he wants to use you. We're a volunteer organization. My prayer would be in 2015 that everybody's participating, that we're all doing his work. Now, a lot of that, we, we have jobs for you to do here, right? I talked earlier about nursery and things like that, but there's also ministry out in the community. I know some of you are doing ministry off the books. That's how I like to say it sometimes, right? Because what happens is we get this kind of tunnel vision as church staff. We have these staff meetings and we talk about how many people we need to, to staff this volunteer thing and that volunteer thing. I know that a lot of you are doing ministry in the community. I would encourage you to let us know, share, share in what God's doing. I'd just love to hear about it. That encourages me. I'd also say a specific kind of connect, kind of tangent to this is if, if you're gifted in doing videos, we want to start videotaping people's testimonies of what God's doing in their life. Um, We had someone doing that for a while, and they left. And so if you're gifted, tell me about that, because we'd like to maybe start sharing those stories publicly as well. This is what God's doing in our community, in our midst. And it doesn't have to be Grace Bible Church only stuff, right? God is at work in the world. And we want to know about that, and we want to share it with each other because it encourages us to continue following. We like to use the word, a lot of times, missional community to describe our groups. Both our ministries and our small groups should be missional communities, That means they should be communities that are doing ministry, like a ministry team, like children's or nursery that has community together. But also our small groups should be communities that are doing ministry together, right? Seeing their life as a life of ministry. And we want to encourage that kind of uh, health and life in our church. 
Um, some of you are gifted in evangelism. That's something we'd really like to get better at in the new year. We've always been committed to global outreach. We've always given 10% of our general income to global outreach all over the world. But what I want you to remember is that we're all called to be missionaries. And so some of you are missionaries to Colleen, and some of you are missionaries to Timbuktu, right? But if you're not called to Timbuktu, you're, you're called here, okay? Or, or somewhere else. But if you live here, you're called here, Right? So, so remember that, but some of you are especially gifted in evangelism. I was joking with one guy the other day that loves to do evangelism, and uh, I was telling him that this was, a, he didn't get the joke, he was about to punch me, but this is what I told him. I said, what if I got you and two or three other people that are gifted in evangelism together, and we formed a committee, and y'all could kind of study the best ways of evangelism for about nine months or 12 months, and then come back to the church board about that, and that was a joke, right, because that kills people that are called to evangelism. They don't want to get in a room with a committee and study it. They want to do it. And so I want to encourage you, if, if you are gifted in evangelism and outreach, do it. And grab one of us that are scared of that and pull us along with you, okay? So, so grab other people and pull them along with you, but I want to encourage you to use your gifts. Use the gifts that God has given you to share what he's doing in the world. Um, here's a thought I have. Uh, we're a church that has a high, high view of God's sovereignty. We have a big respect for God's grace, and then his power is ultimately what accomplishes his goals in the world. But sometimes what, what that kind of respect for God's grace can do is it translates into excusing our introvertedness and calling it sophisticated nuance, right? Like, I'm not going to talk to anybody because I trust God. And I just want to encourage you in 2015, don't let that be an excuse, Okay. I speak that as a, as a semi-introvert myself, so I kind of understand. I'm an ambivert, right? I'm in between, but I kind of get it, right? I, I kind of understand those of you that, are, uh, that don't want to ever talk to anybody. But don't use God's grace and God's sovereignty as an excuse, okay? Know that he wants to use you in the world. He wants to work through you. God's uh, using his church as his agent in the world. Don't say you're trusting God and trying to act sophisticated and, and act like really you're, you're cool and you're trusting him when really maybe you're just scared to talk to people, right? God wants us to reach out and love other people well. Well, we've, we've gone through a lot of details today, and I want to I kind of sum up as we think about the map idea. Sometimes when you go online and you get detailed instructions, they give you like, next step, you know, shift two feet to the right. Next step, go 10 feet forward, right? Have you ever gotten that when it's like, you have five steps, and those five steps are you just going from like the exit to the access road. You're like, why did it give me five steps for that? I don't understand. So I just want to clarify, for those of you that feel overwhelmed, we've given a lot of details, kind of year in review, looking forward to a new year, all of this. Um, Thomas said to Jesus in John 14, Jesus, we don't know the way you're going, and we don't know how to get there. And what did Jesus say to Thomas? So Thomas, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one gets the Father except through me. The word for way is literally road. Jesus says, I'm the road. Just get on the road, okay? So, so if you don't hear anything else today, start following him. Get on, get on the road. Jesus is the road. Start pursuing him. We're going to share in communion here in just a second. And as we do that, we're saying, Jesus, you're the way. You're the way. You're my food. You're my drink. You're my life. You're my hope in 2015. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you that you love us, and I thank you that uh, you are the way, that you guide us.
that we can follow you because you are good. I pray that you'd help us to trust you. Trust your goodness to us. Trust your kindness to us and step out in faith obeying you in new ways. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.